half of the world is on track to be classed as obese or overweight by 2035. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashpitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. On today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Austin Hogan. He is a movement specialist at the sports pod and in this episode we break down why daily movement is so important to your overall health what little steps you can implement to start moving more and moving better this episode is brought to you by amare amare is the mental wellness company and i use their products daily. So click the link in the show notes and use code everybody at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now on to episode 144 with Dr. Austin Hogan. Hello, welcome to something for everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz. Hogan, welcome to the show. It's nice to be here. It's nice to meet you yeah. in person. One of the powers of, of social media has connected us. So uh-huh. I guess that's one of the uh, good things of social media amidst mm-hmm. some of the not so good things potentially. Yeah. Meet but all kinds of people, you never know. You never know, you never uh-huh. know. Um, so before we get into sort of the, the meat and bones of what I want to talk to you about, okay. I have a very important question to ask you. Far away. How are you doing? Like, really, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. It's, uh, you know, New Year. Getting, well, I guess we're in March now. But, yeah. you know, New Year, good things are happening. Business is, bu- business is going well. You know, life's good at the moment. What it's good things great. are happening? Um, let's see. You know, I had a whole lot of travel at the end of the year. My life just got really crazy, and it's really calmed down a lot, which I'm really appreciative. And I'm very grateful that I've, like, been able to, like, slow down a little bit. And so that's been the big one is it just got a little crazy and now it's kind of calming down. And then we had that crazy storm last night and everything's fine. So all good. Um, what sort of travel were you doing? Uh, weddings. Everyone was getting married. I feel like the, the backlog of like everyone pushed their weddings back for COVID happened. And then they all just hit at like the same time I was into weddings and then I had to travel for two other weddings. And so it's just like, every weekend it was just something else and which was great it was a blast but like by the end of it it felt like i was like at the end of a marathon and just dead <laughs> yeah. yeah so the start of your year started off slower yes which has been nice yeah so sometimes that's what you need absolutely yeah i mean there's there's always your peaks and valleys when it mm-hmm. comes to life comes to the busyness the craziness but we handle it as it comes yeah. hopefully the best we can um so I want to talk to you about just all the th- stuff that you're interested in. Movement, okay. exercise, yeah. athletic performance, um, getting people pain-free, all of that stuff. Great. So I guess we'll start with, like, what, what does it mean to be a chiropractor? Yeah, so that's kind of a, a question that takes a little bit of explanation in that Great. Um, being a chiropractor, I, I am classically trained as a chiropractor, but... I practice a little bit differently than most chiropractors. Um, I tend to focus more on the rehab and the movement where technically chiropractic is just the, the, the popping of the spine, right? Is the, the little adjustment where they put you on your side and like give you a little thrust and your back pops. Um, but we're able to do so much more than that. So, um, really the goal with everyone I see is, to get them out of pain and to get them moving better. I want people off the table because that's where, that's where the good stuff really happens. Like you don't get healthier, you don't become better by having something done to you because that can only take you so far. You have to move, load, stretch. You have to expand what your body is capable of to really achieve health. You can't get healthy and by laying there or buying some machine or having something rubbed on you, right? That's not going to create 
long-term outcomes that make you better than you were before. And so my whole thing is, as, as chiropractors, I, I think we need to be better about pushing people to better their health and be more empowered to take control over their own health as opposed to popping people's backs all the time. Mm. And so um, a lot of times we don't even refer to ourselves as chiropractors at the sports pod. We usually turn, use the term movement specialist because mm. our, our goal is to get people moving. And that doesn't happen on a table with just traditional or classical chiropractic. And so it's trying, we're trying to like evolve the practice, so to speak, to make it better. Do you think that's, that's an issue with how um, the training of chiropractors is working? Like, do you think that's where yeah, the that's problem a, that's starts? A huge, that's a huge issue. I think, I think all, I mean, not just to like go at chiropractors, but like sure. all medical providers have certain issues. And I think there's really in, in the history of chiropractic, there's kind of like two camps of, there's like the old school classic chiropractor who wants you to come on, lay on the table, let's get you adjusted. Okay, you're adjusted, later, bye. Um, and then there's the, the newer realm of thinking that is more, that takes some of the best parts of physical therapy, um, some of the stuff from chiropractic and kind of uses them together to create a, something that is more beneficial for, mm. for people who walk through your door. And there are a couple of chiropractic schools in the States and all of them have a different kind of leaning and some might be more traditional and some might be more um, up to date. And there's, so you, you never know what you're going to get. And I think that's one of the big issues in the profession is if someone comes to me and says, Oh, I went and saw a chiropractor for whatever they're coming in for. Mm -hmm that almost tells me nothing. I have to like, okay, well, go on. Tell me, what did they do? What did they say? Like, I can't just take that at face value. Like if someone tells me I went to a physical therapist, I probably have a pretty good understanding of what they did. Now, mm. what they did might not have been great. It might've been perfect. I don't, I, I don't know, but I have a pretty good idea. They probably did some, they probably got some exercises. They probably got some stretches. They could go to, someone goes to a chiropractor, you've got nothing, you don't know. And so um, that's a lot of times that's great in that it as a as, as a chiropractor, as like a business owner, it gives you flexibility. Um, but it also just kind of like waters everything down and dilutes it to where it's the point of like, OK, well, what even is it like? What are we doing? Um, and I think that's something that we need to continue to work on and get better at. And I think it is getting better, um, but it's you know, it's a slow process. Do you think people in sort of the old school thought process have a hard time adapting and evolving into what potentially could be beneficial if they involve some of the newer thought ideas? Oh, absolutely. I mean, anytime um, you have something that like is very large, like that, that drive forward is a very iterative process and that it always just takes little steps and some people don't take those steps and there's some people who don't want to take those steps. Um, but I think the some of the newer generations from school, whenever I interact with students, they seem much more ready to, to move in that direction, which I think is good for the profession and is also good for people um, looking for help with their health and with pain. Um, but I think there's definitely some, some older, uh, more traditional people in the practice who just don't even wanna do it. They don't mm. even wanna try. They're still kinda like stuck in the old ways um, and there are some reasons for that. There's lots of reasons, but um, I think it's it's going the right direction. We'll continue to go in the right direction. I just wish it would go a little faster. Mm. Right? Like, I want to be there now. I want to right. do it now. Are are people surprised when they walk through the doors here that you don't just have them lay on the table, or they come here yeah. specifically looking for that stuff from you? Oh yeah, all the time. We have people who will call in and they'll just like, hey, I just want to get adjusted. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's not really what we do. Um, and so like, I'll, I'll refer, like, if that's what someone wants, like, great, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, but I'll just like, Hey, that's not really our, our jam. Like, I know some people I can send you to, like, if you, if you're interested, like if you're having a specific issue and you're, you want to try some other stuff and you want to be a little more advanced and like, you want to learn more about what's going on, like, Hey, I'm here. I'm ready when you are, but you know, I like getting adjusted. I think it feels good. Like, I'm not against that. Um, but 
most people who come in here have a certain issue. Shoulder, my shoulder hurts, my back hurts. Um, sometimes it's, hey, I'm working on this thing and like I just, I feel like I can't move well enough to do it. And that's a very different approach. And I think that's more what people want. Mm. Most people who just want to get adjusted, like they've already been to a chiropractor and they just happen to like it. And that's a very different thing, which great, cool, let's do it. Um, but I think most people need and want something more from their healthcare providers. And that's what we want to try and cater to. And that's what we want to try and push people to, right? Because I want people to not just like feel a little better after like, ooh, that felt nice. Like, you know, I love getting a massage, feels great. Yeah. But um, if, if the goal is health or the goal is to get out of pain, like there has to be more. And that's, that's really what we do. Because I think like if you're just going to a chiropractor to get adjusted, say I just have like a, you know, like a little pinch in my, in my lower back, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just go to the chiropractor. He'll adjust me. And then I walk out of the, his office or off the table feeling pretty good, yeah. like you said. But for the next six weeks, I do absolutely nothing different. Mm -hmm. But for that one week after the adjustment, I felt great. So people are not, as you're saying, not doing anything outside of it to change yeah. the way they live. But they know that when they go see the chiropractor, they're going to feel good. So they just sort of live in this sort of lull, knowing that they can just have this sort of quick hack fix thing that'll yeah. help for a little bit. And then they're okay with living in pain for the next five weeks. The one week is good. Like people are just stuck in sort of that habit in this sort of comfortable pattern instead of potentially trying something different that'll be hard and uncomfortable and maybe weird, but might help them feel good yeah. forever. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really you like, you hit the nail on the head. And like, that's what I'm really passionate about is like, my goal is I want to educate people. I want to teach them the things they need to take care of their own body and to like make their own body stronger and more resilient. Whereas in that scenario, exactly what, what has happened is they have become dependent upon their chiropractor for this little quick fix. That isn't a fix. It's just like, Hey, we like put a bandaid on it. We numbed it. When it comes back, come see me again, but you're going to see me forever. Mm -hmm. Right? Like people were healthy well before chiropractors started figuring out they can pop things. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's not, it is not a fix all right. Like if something is happening every five or six weeks, like let's figure out what that is and let's try and find a way to fix that so that it's not just like, a, Oh, it's the thing again. Right. And one of the big problems with with pain is that a lot of times pain is not purely dictated by what's going on in the tissue. Right. Like there's stuff going on, like in this leg that sends a signal up to my brain and that gets interpreted as pain. Right. The pain's not actually here. It's up here. You can have those same signals and no pain. Right. You can have an MRI with some type of weird tear on it or some kind of weird something and no pain. Most people do. We just don't know it because we don't go get MRIs and stuff doesn't hurt. And the issue with that is that because pain happens up here and not actually in the tissue, there's a lot of stuff that can make pain feel better. Mm. And so there's a lot of therapies that when we do clinical studies and we look at it, we're like, that therapy is not doing what we thought. It might not be even doing anything, but it makes people feel good. And so their pain gets better. But what's going on here might not have changed at all. We might do stuff down here, like ultrasound is kind of on the way out for, as an example. We used to think ultrasound was doing some stuff to the tissue. It really isn't. And, but most PTs, most chiros and stuff who have used ultrasound probably have a story where they're like, I forgot to turn the machine on or like, I forgot to like put it in the, I did it on the wrong leg. But the person gets up and is like, oh, man, I feel great. Mm. I feel so much better. And so pain is, pain is a very subjective experience. And because of that subjectivity, it allows a lot of different therapies to help people get out of pain. But it doesn't necessarily fix any type of dysfunction here. It's, it's wild. The more, the more I learn about pain science, the crazier things get. And I think as providers, like, we need to be better about understanding the therapies we're doing and using therapies that we know can fix the dysfunction here, but also understanding if someone comes in and is like, hey, last time ultrasound really helped. I'd like to do that. I might know ultrasound doesn't really do much, but I'd be like, let's do it. Great. 
because it makes him feel better. But then I'm like, but let's do more. Like, let's try and do some other stuff as well that I know could really kind of like fix what's going on here. And so it's a give and take of understanding the science and understanding the research, but also meeting the patient where they're at. I don't even remember what the original question was anymore or what we were talking about. We're just riffing. But that's something I'm passionate about. And it's tricky because like a lot of therapies that have been around for a long time and we know from like a, a research standpoint don't do anything are still really popular because people like just like traditional chiropractors like oh i'll just go get popped and it'll be better and it will feel better but that's all up here but i know that didn't fix the thing that's going on mm-hmm. and that's why it keeps coming back right but it's really easy to just be like if someone expects something to help it'll probably help but it's, I think it's on clinicians to understand that and like sneak in what they really need. Like, hey, you want to come in and get adjusted because it fixed your back last time? Great. Let's cool. But let's also do this rehab and this exercise because that's what's really important. And so it's tough. It's complicated. Pain's weird. Yeah. But it's interesting. And like, I, I, I love learning about it. I love talking about it. But man, it gets weird sometimes. And that's neat. And that's, that's why, that's why there's always new stuff coming out and you get to read all this cool stuff. And sometimes you're like, man, everything I learned sucks. I don't know anything. (laughs) And you're just like, what do I even do? Like there's someone in front of me and I'm like, what do I even do with this person? I don't know anymore. But then you're just like, okay, no, it's fine. Like I got this. It'll be okay. And it's, it's just this wild, like back and forward. Uh, To go back to sort of what you said about the forever client. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I have an issue with that, with the, with the clinician saying that you're going to be a client forever yeah. because it's like sort of an ego based approach saying mm-hmm. that I'm not going to really help you, but I'm going to help you enough where you just like are appeased yeah. and then you're going to keep coming back. Like I worked as a personal trainer for a while mm-hmm. and after let's say six months, you can do all of this stuff on your own. So you don't need to come see me if you yeah. want to, that's different, but yeah. you don't need me, uh-huh. right? There's at the beginning, if you don't know what you're doing at all, yes, you need someone to show you the proper form, mm-hmm. how to program your stuff, make sure you're safe, you're using the appropriate weight, like you have uh, enough time in between, whatever all that is, whatever your goals are. But after a certain amount of time, you can go and do this workout on your own anytime. Yeah. And you touch base with me with Absolutely. maybe a new plan uh-huh. or some new, but I, if you want to be my client forever, that's awesome. Because yeah. we have a good relationship and you're getting stronger, maybe we'll work out together now, whatever the case may be is. But if it's something that you're just not doing 100%, just so you can keep them roped in a little bit, I think that's a dis, that's a disservice and, yeah, and very dishonest. Absolutely. Like I, I've done, I did some personal training in college as well. And I think just like in here, um, we're always trying to like educate people about their body and what's going on and like what the therapy's doing and how they can like take care of themselves. Like I think personal trainers, exactly the same thing. You should be educating people. And some people, they're just like, I don't care. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Great. Cool. Yeah. Those people are totally. Yeah. Different. Right. But those, those are the outliers. Most people like want to know like, Hey, why am I doing Why are we doing this type of squat? Why are we doing this many sets and this many reps? And like, you know, some clients I'm sure you had, you know, they reached that point where they're just like, Hey, I got it from here. Mm-hmm. Or the, and then there are those, some of those clients who are just like, man, I love, I love coming in here and you helping me out with like trying new things and keeping it fresh. And you develop that relationship and there's like, man, just let's just keep doing this. Let's just keep rolling. That's great. And that even happens in the in the clinic, right? Like some people come in and they're hurting. And you know, we get them fixed up. And they're just like, hey, this is great. Like, I would love to keep doing this. Maybe like, we're not focused on pain so much. But they're like, I would love to like, keep taking care of my body and like making it move better and feel better. Because it's like, most people are in pain and you get them out of pain. Okay, most people still feel pretty crappy most of the time. Mm. And if you can take them from out of pain to like feeling okay to feeling great, that's where the, that's the fun stuff. I love when people are just like, Hey, I don't hurt anymore. But like that rehab we were doing, that was, that was dope. I want to do more of that. Like my hips feel like way better. Like they, like they used to just feel tight and then they started hurting and you got them back to where they don't hurt. But man, they feel smooth now. Like they feel good. And that's where the cool stuff happens. I love when people come in and they're just like, hey, nothing hurts, but I want everything to feel great. I want stuff to like move. I want to feel like 20 years younger. Mm. It's like, hell yeah, let's do that. Because that's the, that's the fun stuff. Yeah, there's always like an evolution. There's always the next mm-hmm. step. Like you've mastered some, you've gotten pain-free, you mastered this. Okay, well now can you do a pistol squat? 
Yeah. That takes a lot of effort and work mm-hmm. and like coordination and, and alignment with your body, right? So there's always a next step and that's cool that people want to see that. But also the point of like working with people and they come in and they tell you, like you said, I, this really worked for me last time, you know, and you do that for them because you're building a relationship with them. Yeah. And then once you build that relationship, it's much easier to sneak in and be like, this might help on top of your favorite thing that yeah, helped last time. Right. Like someone comes in and like requests ultrasound or something like that. Like, well, that I know doesn't do a whole lot. Like, I'm not going to sit them down and be like, well, let me take 20 <laughs> minutes of your time to tell you why that's dumb and we shouldn't do that. Like, no, just like meet them where they're at. Right. And then just like transition them away from that as, as time goes on. But, you know, it's really easy. And especially like as, as, as someone newer in practice, sometimes you're just like, like, oh, I have all these answers. I know everything. Like, like people don't know what you know. And so you have to be like, sure, let's do that thing that in the back of your head, you're like, we don't really need to do this, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but it gives them comfort. And that's sometimes that's just as important, if not more important than what's actually going on in their calf or their hamstring or whatever. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's that relationship in that, like, just like with personal training, it's building that relationship. It's taking care of like the full person of, you know, one of the things we've been working on in, in clinic lately is trying to like be more aware of where someone's at mentally, right? Mm. Or, you know, say you're working on something, it's not getting better. Like, hey, what's going on at work? How's, how are the kids? Like, how you sleeping, right? Cause all that plays a role and being more aware of what's going on in their world and how that affects what's going on in their body and getting beyond just, oh, it's a torn hamstring. Like, okay, it's a torn hamstring, but maybe they're like really stressed out about it. Or maybe they're like having a rough time at work and it's like, that's why this old injury is flaring up. Like, and so it's, it's working with a person versus working with a muscle, which is very different. Yeah, the person is a, a very complex, dynamical system. Yeah. That has many different parts that are affecting the way they do the mm-hmm. thing they're trying to do. Um, I want to get back on that sort of uh, in a minute about sort of mindset and how that goes into fixing an injury because that's sort of where I, I'm passionate about. Okay. But I want to talk about how you learned how to communicate mm-hmm. and create relationships because that doesn't just happen. No, uh-uh. right. You you can you can know all of the information in the whole world, but if you can't effectively communicate it to your client, your person, oh, your partner, your friend, yeah. then no one no one knows anything, and no one's going to get anything done. So, what was that like for you starting out? Was it hard? Did you did you just learn through trying? Yeah, was, it's, I mean, yeah. it's a lot of trial and error. I've always had a knack for like public speaking, mm. which is great. Um, what I've, what I've personally have struggled with is I, I tend to be kind of an introvert. Like, um, in school we did like the Myers Briggs test, which was like your introversion, extroversion. And like, I was like way over here on being an introvert. And then like everyone in my class was that extrovert loves people. Um, and so it takes, it takes a lot of practice and like there, there really is no substitution for just sitting down with people and mm-hmm. talking with people. It's something you got to work on. Um, when I started going to, when I originally went to college, I was a, going into electrical engineering. Really? And then switched over to kinesiology and healthcare, which is a huge shift going from engineering where you're just like sitting in front of your computer 24 seven. And now I'm in this other realm that is, it's all relationships. Like, yes, you need the technical know-how, but it's really all relationships and all how you communicate with people. And so a lot of that is you have to, an outside eye helps a lot. So working with like-minded people who can kind of like, hey, when you were with that guy, you, you maybe said this and you can see they kind of like recoiled a little bit. Mm. Like in the moment, I might not have caught that, but having someone on the team who's like, hey, they, they, how you said that might've been a little funky. Mm. So having peers around you who can kind of like help you be more self-aware. And then it's just repetitions, meeting more people and talking to people and then like learning one of the we're required to take to continue education every year and using some of that continuing education you know my my default is i just want to learn Ooh, give me all the hard science i want the hard science i want to know what's going on whenever like show me the surgery i want to see that or show me the rehab protocol and making a dedicated effort to like get away from that and focus more on like communication and how to connect with people 
and like skills that I would think like someone in like sales or uh, PR, PR or something like working on those like soft skills, like using some dedicated time from my continued education to work on that has been hugely beneficial, but the team and just trial and error. It just, I've, I've screwed it up. I'll screw it up again. Like there's some people who come in once and they're just like, you know, you said that and I really didn't like that. I'm out. I'm just like, yeah, you're right. I could have been, I should have been better about that. Mm. Or some or like, I didn't explain something very well. And you know, reps, just repetition, repetition, and then just having a team there to help you out. Those are the best ways to, to learn. Yeah, we, we need those moments where we fall down. Mm-hmm. We have to, we have to have the person who comes in and we said something not good to them and they walk out and you're like, oh shoot. Yeah. You know, cause then you have to actively think about it. If everyone, if everything goes your way all the time, no matter yeah. what. Like, I mean, those, are, those have been some of my best learning moments. The person who like, I, I think there was one guy one time who we did something and um, I really should have been like, I think I was like, I was in a rush to get out to lunch and we 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 developed a really good relationship, but we kind of got like on autopilot. Mm. And um, so the next day he sends me this long message about how he was kind of like frustrated, dissatisfied about like something that happened in the appointment. But I really appreciate that guy and that he sent me a long text and explained it in very detail. And I got on the phone and called him and we just talked about it for like an hour. And I learned so much from that. And I'm still good friends with the guy. I don't treat him anymore. Fortunately, he hasn't needed me. Um, but I learned so much from that. And that has affected how I treat and how I interact with people so much. And that was a huge learning moment. I'm extremely thankful that guy who took the time to um, kind of communicate with me. Because like a lot of times people, when they're pissed off or upset or with that, they just kind of like disappear. But he right. took the time to write that out. And that has, uh, that has changed how I do things every day. And I'm really thankful for that guy. Feedback is extremely important. Yeah, like I, I, the feedback he gave me, every, every person I've seen since then has benefited from that, that feedback. Is it important to, because we're talking about creating relationships. And when you create relationships, you start to get along with people and get to know mm-hmm. them. Is there a, a line? between like sort of keeping it professional, like you're the, you're the doctor, they're the patient. Oh yeah. And borderline into becoming friends with these people. Mm-hmm. Is it, is that, is that hard? Yeah, it can be really hard. Um, it's also like one of the great things about what I do in that a lot of people who I have met through my practice are good friends now. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually that, that can make things easier, but it also, sometimes there has to be hard conversation and just be like, Hey, look, I know we're tight, but like, look, we got some work we got to do. And like, I'm going to be, I'm kind of going to be a dick for the next like 45 minutes, but then we're cool after that. (laughs) I tell, I tell some of my patients who are also friends now all the time. I'm like, look, you get 45 minutes to an hour a week where you can hate me. You can like, cause some of the stuff we do sucks. It's hard. Like, like healing is not always like a, like a loving experience. Like sometimes you got to work and sometimes it hurts and sometimes it just sucks. I'm like, you get an hour a week where you can cuss at me. You can yell at me. You can throw stuff at me, but we're going to get in here. We're going to get the work done. And then after that, we're tight. We're friends again. Um, But I've met some great people through my practice. A lot of people that I wouldn't have met otherwise who are good friends now. Um, But there are some times where it's just like, you know, hey, I'm a doctor. You're a patient. We're a team. We're working together. But we can't just come in here and crack jokes all the time. Mm. Like we gotta get to we gotta get to work. And so sometimes they'll, you know, we'll have our five or ten minutes when they come in. I'm like, okay, fun time's over. Let's get to it. Let's get to work. Yeah. Yeah. Creating that boundary and then mm-hmm. moving into work. Yeah. yeah. And so just kind of like, you know, sometimes you just switch the hat off. And so, you know, then they then everything, they're feeling better again. And then it's just like, all right, now we can get back to cracking jokes and yeah. having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanna I wanna go back to college because you sort of made a throwaway comment about switching from engineering to uh, kinesiology. Yeah. That's like a huge deal. Yeah, it was, it was a huge shift. It was, so I was at, I went to Texas A&M um, and I started off in, I was in the honors computer science electrical engineering program. Whoa. Which is tough. It was a tough program. That was like a decision you made from high school? Yeah. Like this is what you want to do? Yeah, like, you know, you get out of high school, you're going to college, like you don't know what you want to do. You don't know, you don't know anything really. 
And I was like, okay, what are the two things I'm really into? One of them, I really like computers and science. And Sweet. The other one, I really liked fitness and working out. So I was like, computers and science seems like a way to make a lot more money. So I'm going to go with that. Mm. Um, did it for a year. And like, it was tough. Don't get me wrong. But like, I was doing it. It was going well. And then I remember just one day, it was like, I think I was taking a summer course. And like, the weather was beautiful. The sun was out. And I was like, sitting in front of my computer, like, making a circuit board or something. I was just like, man, I'm not enjoying this. Like this, I might love this stuff as a hobby, but it is sucking the soul out of me. Mm. Of like just, and so I was like, all right, well, let's do the other thing. I was like, maybe we'll go this route. You know, didn't really know. I was like, we're going to figure it out as we go. We're going to switch. We're going to do this. Um, didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Um, I was like, so we're going to study, we're going to go study the human body some more. And so I switched over to that, um, which made undergrad way easier. It was awesome. Like college got a lot more fun after that switch, uh, but didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, I'm going to do some more schooling. Cause I was like, I want to like, let's, maybe I'll go to med school. Maybe I'll go to physical therapy school. Maybe I'll go to dental school. Um, and then kind of like stumbled into this chiropractic thing and you know, quickly figured out that like stuff's pretty cool. The human body's pretty dope. And I think um, having that background sort of as, as an engineer helped me understand the body a lot and then helped a lot through school. And then once you start working with people, you're like, oh, as much as I want the body to be a machine, it's not really, right? That, the, that brain and those like personal relationships and connections, that dictates a lot of healing and um, kind of how you practice as a clinician. And so I kind of like originally took all this engineering stuff and was just like, I'm just going to apply that to the human body. And that helped, but it will it only gets you so far. And then you need that extra component of how do you talk to people? How do you interact with people? How do you affect what's going on here, which mm -hmm. is affecting what's going on here? Um, and that stuff, I don't think I really got to understand or really appreciate until I got out of school and started working with people more. But I think it carried me pretty far, but it definitely, now that I'm looking back upon my career, it's a very small part of what got me here and made me the clinician I am today. Yeah. I'm just like thinking about how such a hard decision that is to leave engineering and go and switch your whole oh yeah and like as a young person right it seems like you're you're changing your entire life mm -hmm. and you kind of are yeah you know but it's an amazing choice yeah was I there remember, people in your life who were supporting you or was this like a solo decision or it was kind of a solo decision i i remember going into the um whoever you talk to at the school like the counselor i guess and talking about changing path and and changing my major. And she was just like, are you sure you want to do that? She was, and so she, so I went in and talked to her and she was like, she was like, okay, I'll fill out the paperwork, but I want you to come back tomorrow and like, think about it some more. Mm. And so I said, okay, like, all right. So I went and thought about it. I was like, yeah, this is for sure. Like went and like sat down and like looked at my engineering homework and was just like, nah, this is not it. Like, this is cool stuff. It's neat. But man, I can't do this for I can't do this every day, 20 flight. And went back the next day and said, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, that's one of those moments in my life where it's like if I that's one of those decisions that just sets you on a completely different mm -hmm. path and no regrets. Like it's, Beautiful. it's been great. Got me here. Any advice you would give to someone who's thinking about making a uh, trajectory, life trajectory decision? Maybe if they're in college, they're in their job that they don't like something. Yeah. Man, that's that's tough. I feel like it's such a like the reasons I did it, I feel like are very unique to me. But like obviously whenever you're in school and you're studying and you're like thinking about your career, obviously what you make is gonna be a part of it, right? That like that let's not pretend that money doesn't matter because it does. It does. But at the same time, you definitely have to consider your mental health, your, you know, just your quality of life, whether you enjoy what you do or not, like those are equally, if not more important. So 
I think the idea of like, just do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Like that's not all of it. Like it's a balance between the two of like something you can enjoy and something you can do every day and something that will allow you to live the life you want to live. Cause if you just, if you just pursue your passion and you don't think about the money stuff over here, that can work out great sometimes, but not all the times. And so I think you can't do either extreme. You got to consider everything. And for some people, you know, money's not an issue at all. Great, cool. Then just go with whatever you're passionate with. But, right. But if you just don't think about that at all, I think most people are going to kind of be setting themselves up for a rude awakening down the road whenever it's, oh, I can't, I can't afford anything. I, I love what I do. This is great. But I can't afford to live the life I want to live because I don't make any money. And so be aware of everything and talk to talk to people that you trust. Um, I think I had like a great mentor who I did talk to about making that change before I did it. And he's he's a close family friend, kind of helped like raise me up. Find someone like that. Find people in the find people who do what you want to do and talk to them. Um, and you know people who have been through it and made some of those decisions find those people so yeah. so keep your eyes open consider everything both your mental health wellness but also the how what the career actually can earn and what you can do with it right and then find people who have done those things like if you're choosing between two things talk to people on both sides of the fence um and then don't rush it just don't be hasty yeah yeah and an important exercise, I think, to add on to that would be like, wherever you're at, think about your life 10 years if you yeah. decide to do nothing or if you decide to go for it. Yeah. Which one might be better? Now, you're not going to be able to predict everything that might happen, but you can sort of have a vision of the future. It's like thinking about the consequences of inaction versus action. Yeah. So like right now, you're like in your life and you feel like, okay, you're like mildly unhappy, mm. but not super unhappy where you like feel like you're spiraling out of control. But then the, the action is like having to do all of these things, like go back to school, continue education, review all these things that I'm not good at, try to fill all these holes. Holy fuck, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So what's, what's 10 years from now? Well, you'll probably be really unhappy, miserable and resentful, or you could potentially do this thing that you might do, but it's gonna be like really freaking hard. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's better, the consequence of inaction or action? I say the consequences of action, even though you're yeah. going to have to go into the trenches, you're going to get punched, you're going to get some scars, you know, but that's the hero's journey right there. Absolutely. And so maybe you come out on top and you slay the uh -huh. fucking dragon. Uh, yeah. I wish I like when I made that choice, I was just trying to like get away from this thing that I knew wasn't going to make me happy. And I was like switching this. I wish I would have thought a couple more steps ahead. I was like, I know I like this, so let's go do that. But I wish I would have like planned it out a little better ahead of time so that I could have gotten like gotten a little jump on some of the like further steps in the process, mm. like chiropractic school or PT school or whatever it was. Um, Cause I kind of like moved over here. and was like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. And then, uh, and then kind of had to like figure it out as I go, which thankfully worked out. But if I'd have like thought a little bit ahead, I maybe could have like gotten a jump on some of that stuff. But in the past but you made the leap and that's the most important part yeah that's the hardest part hardest part for sure mm -hmm. <clears throat> all right let's go back to uh i mentioned i want to sort of circle back to mindset mm -hmm. um i've talked to a few chiropractors and it seems that in school it's just like focused solely on the body and what to do and there's no sort of education around how the mind and the body interact yeah. in sort of this bi-directional way to create like this integrated sense of healing yeah. so what have you learned about that? Yeah. Just like actually working with people. Um, I, I think in school they might touch on that. Um, I don't necessarily think they do a good job, but I might not have just been very receptive to it at that point. Yeah, I also don't like, want to just like coming, shame the coming whole Coming from that schooling. like engineering yeah. background, like I might not have been ready to hear that at that point. Mm, maybe, yeah. Um, but what was, can, you refer, can you say that again? Yeah, just like what have you actually working with people outside of just a school setting? What have you learned? about how the mind and the body have to be sort of interacting and integrated together to sort oh, of yeah. create a sense so of healing. The, I think the, the best seminar I've been to in regards to that specifically is one I, I just went to. So it's really fresh in my brain. Beautiful. Um, there, and there's a book about it. It's called World of Hurt. And it's 
specifically she's talking about chronic pain. Um, it's a physical therapist. I can't remember her name right now. Um, and she's talking specifically about chronic pain and how most, how chronic pain can present in many different forms. And there's, so, and she really divides it up into three types. I'm going to kind of just paraphrase a little bit, but one, one is kind of like that logical brain of like, I think this is happening in that tissue. One is more of an emotive thing where it's like, um, I've had this pain for so long where I almost am like suffering and like depressed because of it. Mm. And that can create a feedback loop. Um, and so the biggest one, like, I think a great example is someone who's had a, had like a shoulder MRI and they're just like, Oh yeah, this thing's bone on bone and it's like grinding. And, um, and so I was working with this guy and he was like, every time he'd do something, his shoulder was hurting in his mind, what was happening is that thing was grinding together. And so every time his shoulder hurt, it's grinding and it's getting worse. And when I did an exam on him, one of the things I did is I kind of like created some distraction and kind of pulled the shoulder apart. So it's impossible for it to grind together. And then I would do some stuff and it would still hurt. Mm. And, and then I jammed it together. I just like put a bunch of weight into it, jammed it together and did some other stuff and it didn't hurt at all. And so after I did that, I kind of like told him, like, I didn't tell him what I was doing before I did it, but afterwards I was like, okay, so when you have pain, this is what you think's going on. But what I just did tells me the complete opposite. And then, and then, so once he, at first he was like, I'm not buying it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. And then, so I walked him through it again. I'm like, look, I did this. I'm pulling the thing out so it can't grind and it hurts, which sucks. It still hurts. And so, so I did that and he was like, yeah, okay. Okay. I get that. I'm like, so that tells me there's something else going on here. Like, yeah, you've got an MRI that shows a shitty shoulder. Don't get me wrong, but there might be something else going on. And then I jammed it together as hard as I can. And now that he knows what's going on, he was like a little hesitant, but I jammed it in there. I went hard. And then he was like, you know what? You're right. That doesn't hurt. And so before we had that conversation, every time his shoulder hurt, he thought it was grinding together and getting way worse, which would then mean it would hurt more and it would hurt more. And then after we had that conversation, okay, now there is some, okay, there is something else going on there. It's not grinding together. Then we started to see some progress. Mm. But before that we'd been doing some stuff and I hadn't had that conversation with him yet. And so every time something hurt, he thought it was getting way worse when really it was, there's something else going on. But after we had that conversation, we still had a lot to work to do. It didn't change overnight, but that's when it started to like tip over. And that's when we started to like, things started getting better. And so what he was thinking was having direct relationship to how well his shoulder was doing. Mm -hmm. And then we started talking more about, you know, he wanted to get back into tennis and he was like depressed because he couldn't play tennis. And so I'm like, Hey, you're not ready for a backhand yet. Let's go hit some balls. Right. Let's do some forehands. Let's do some serves. Let's do some overhead stuff he could do. Yeah. And now he started feeling a lot better. Like he's happier because that's what he wants to do. He wants to play tennis. And, and then things started getting better with that. And I didn't change anything I was doing clinically. I'm still doing the same rehab. I'm still doing the same tissue work, but it wasn't until he got out of his way of thinking and then that we started seeing some progress. And then it wasn't until we could get him back into the activity he wanted to do that he started really making forward progress. Mm. So how someone thinks about something is, is everything. Like before you start doing, in my mind at this point, before you start doing anything physical with like an injury or an area, you need to figure out what's going on with them mentally. Yep. Right. And I, I tell new doctors this all the time. The number one predictor of is someone going to get better is do they think they can get better, mm -hmm. right? If they don't think that, you're, you're going to struggle, right? You might do all the right things clinically. You might do the right ortho test. You might do the right rehab. They don't think they're going to get better. It almost doesn't matter. And then the second part is do they think you can get them better? Can you build that connection? Can you build that confidence in themselves and in you that you the two of you together can get them better if you don't if they don't have that trust and that confidence you're still just you're fighting an uphill battle and so that it, it's not 
it's not the body and the mind. It's all of it together. And you got to get the body. You got to get the brain on board. You got to get that person in front of you on board with this can work. We can do this. Right. And a lot of people coming in with chronic stuff have been told it's bone on bone. Something's grinding. You've got no cartilage in your knees. And those are real physical things that are there. But those do not mean that they're going to have pain forever. And getting people over that mental hurdle is paramount. You got it. Huge. Yeah, you're you're creating a deep sense of hope. Yeah. Like you can get there from here. Mm-hmm. Like it is possible. And the person has to believe that's possible. Yeah. And we have to create that sense of agency in them. Like mm-hmm. you're finding out their why, which is basically their goal, right? You're yeah. giving them that agency and the knowledge and also knowing that there's multiple pathways we can take you to get there. Like if this route doesn't work, I have this route. Yeah, I have this right? route. I have that route. I have this route. You don't have to lose hope because we get we get stopped here at one point. We have this hope that, yes, I can get there from here. And it has a relation to your mental health, your overall well-being, how you think about things, the way you act. All of that stuff is extremely important because people are probably coming in here a lot of times because they can't do the thing they want to do. Yeah. And if you can't do the thing you want to do, you're going to be sad. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to be frustrated. Yeah. Of course you are. And if you think no one can ever get you better ever, well, then you're probably right then it might not work, Yeah, you know? But if you have this like, okay, I know I'm in this spot right now and I'm feeling like this and I can't do this thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this my last effort to the sports pod and I'm going to come here yeah. and this guy who's going to talk to me, he's going to like make eye contact. He's going to have a relationship with me. He's going to try to learn about me. Okay, maybe, maybe it'll work. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. And then, yeah, you know, then there's... We, a, and if we can get to that maybe... That's then, huge. Okay, that's a jumping off point, right? Right, like maybe they're not 100% certain out of the gate, but they're just like, maybe. I'm like, great, I can work with maybe. Yeah. I can work with that. And it, and it falls the same in line, like in the reverse, like when someone feels um, depressed, mm-hmm. right? Their body just starts to ache. Yeah. When your body aches, do you want to get out of bed and go for a walk? No. Should you force yourself to do that? Absolutely, yes, yeah. 100%. Uh-huh. And so everything that you can do physically will help you mentally. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that you do mentally will help you physically, like meditating. Absolutely. Having positive self-talk about maybe the thing that's hurting you, like having these sort of uh, affirmations about it, right? Um, you know, thinking is not going to totally change your life, but it's a part of the puzzle yeah. that will help you change your life. Yeah. Ultimately, it's about action, obviously. Mm-hmm. But And there are some people who, who don't get there, right? They're, they're in pain and they're suffering. And they are not mentally ready to make that change necessary to get them healthy. Mm. And those, those can be extremely difficult to work with because that, that's, that can be less of orthopedic testing and less of rehab and more of a conversation. And that can be tough. That can be really hard to get someone who just is not ready to do anything, not ready to make a change. You know, like maybe someone like forced them in here or they're like backs up against the wall and they were told like, look, you're going to have to have surgery. You're going to have to replace that hip or replace that knee. And they're just here because they're just like, have to. I don't have anything else. Yeah. Right. And knowing that's something I still struggle with of like when, how can I get those people from there to, to maybe? And that's hard um, and something I'm still working on and knowing when is it, when do when is when when can I take someone who comes in here and just be like, hell yeah, let's go. Like those people are easy to find. Mm-hmm. They come in, they're just like, yeah, I'm ready to do some work. Let's go. And then working with people who are just like, you know, sure, whatever. Like it's nothing's gonna fix it. Like finding ways to work with and motivate those people is hard, and that's something I'm still working on. I'll probably always be working yeah. on it. Um, but they can also be some of the most rewarding. Absolutely, right? seeing that like. You know, after they come in two or three times, if you, like, seeing someone go from there to coming in, like ready to do some work, like that's an awesome feeling. And I want to I do that more and I need to work on it and be better at it. And you can be. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of like people just having daily movement patterns, daily movement mm-hmm. habits, things they should do every day, are the things that you recommend that people should do seven days a week? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love talking about this. I love um, there's uh, a system called functional anatomy or functional range conditioning um, by Dr. Spina. And they would you do, say functional 
So I think the website's Functional Anatomy Systems. Okay. And they do functional range conditioning, which I'm certified in. They have a couple other certifications. But they do a lot of, they talk about what are called controlled articular rotations, which is basically a system for taking your joint, say like a shoulder joint, and moving it through its full range of motion and like expressing all the range of motion that's available to it through varying intensities. And I think if, if someone's goal is to just like, what's like something simple I can do to like maintain my joint health and my body, like they have, they call it the morning routine where it's just doing different controlled articular rotations or cars for all the major joints in your body. It's super simple, but you can just like bang it out. And it's like, I tell people it's like brushing your teeth, mm. right? I think movement and fitness tends to get way overcomplicated all the time. And I think moving the thing is the best way to take care of the thing. And so whether it's your hips, your shoulders, your ankles, whatever, and I think the, the cars from FRC are the easiest way to check all the boxes as far as movement goes. I still think you probably, you still need to do some cardiovascular stuff. You still need to do some strength training. But as far as just like every day, check the box, get it done. FRC, cars, it's the way to go. How long would that take someone in the morning? 10, 15 minutes. Right? Don't have to be in the morning. You can do it whenever. Um, but yeah, it's just a really easy, systematic way. Just flow right through it. And like on our website, we have tons of videos of just people doing cars in all kinds of different ways. And they're easily scalable, right? Like mine might look different than yours. You know, like my mom can do them. Mm. You know, she's um, in her 60s. I've, I've worked with people in their 70s who do them. And they look very different. But the idea is they're going to their capacity. And... So someone who's, I work with a lot of dancers, theirs look really nice. Theirs look, theirs look awesome. Yeah. They look way better than mine. <laughs> um, but we're all working at our capacity. We're all going as far as we can go and doing our best there. And so it's scales up, scales down, wherever you're at, it's easy to see progress. Uh, it's, if you want to make it more difficult, you make it more difficult. If you want to make it easier, you make it easier. And I think everyone should do them. I love them. Do you recommend a certain amount of uh, steps per day or just whatever um, someone can get in? I think uh, steps per day, you know, I think 10,000 is the number of people usually recommend. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that, that kind of misses a lot of nuance. But I think more. How many did you do yesterday? Do one more. Right. How many did you do the day before that? Do more than that. Right. Eventually you're going to reach a point where you just don't have enough time in the day. But <laughs> I think... 10,000 is a good number to shoot for, but most people aren't getting 10,000. They see 10,000, they're like, oh my God, I'm never going to get there. And so I'm a big fan of big goals are great. Break them down to super easy goals. Right. Right. And so 10 more steps than you did yesterday. That's a great place to start. You're doing 1,000, do 1,010. You do 1,010, 1,020. I think, um, you know, in the, in the day of social media, a lot of people who want to be fit and want to be healthy, they see all these people on Instagram doing crazy stuff. And they're like, oh, man, I could never do that. And or like I'm always fighting the constant battle of getting my parents to do more. And they're like, we can't do what you do. And I'm like, I know that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, take the stairs. Right. You know, you don't you, maybe you can't do a squat. You can get out of a chair. Do mm. it 10 times, right. 20 times. Right. And so I think the number is always do a little bit more. 10,000 steps a day, great. That's a good benchmark. But really, just try and be more active. Move more. Find ways to do it. Stairs. Get up and out of your bed. Get down, up and down off the floor. Make it easy. Make it something you can do. Make it enjoyable. Something where you can, like, check a lot of boxes. People like checking boxes. Right? So whatever works for that person, make it easy. Make it something you can do consistently. Yeah. But there's just no other option, right? Yeah. Would to not move. Yeah. Like there is no other option. If you don't you gotta move, do it. Uh, like often yeah. and regularly and with some, a little bit of intention, mm -hmm. like it doesn't have a lot of intention, but a little bit, like yeah. just, you know, you're doing it for a purpose because it makes you feel good. It makes your body move better. Whatever the case may be. If you don't do it, like the repercussions are like enormous. Mm -hmm. Like you're, this is what your body is doing. You're like, yeah. our bodies do so many things that we have no idea how they're doing it. And they're just happening. And like digestion and eating and pooping and all these things that are like amazing, right? And then we just decide not to move to like not honor that sense of our body. 
like you have to do it. There's yeah. no other options. I like really like something you said there the, with intention, right? Like some people have very active jobs where you're like, oh, you know, I'm swinging a hammer all day. And you would think they're very active. They move a lot for their work. You would think they, they're already doing all that. They don't need to. But what you what I think there's been some interesting research and shown that like being active in your job isn't necessarily the same as like just being active for the sake of being active and the sake of being healthy. Mm -hmm. And the big difference there is the intent. And so doing things intentionally with moving intentionally is very different than just moving with work or whatever. And mm -hmm. the outcomes are different. Right. Which the engineer part of my brain is like, that's dumb. Like, <laughs> right. Like that guy's moving all day. Like he doesn't need to go move more. But when you look at some of the outcomes and some of the research, I can't say definitively, but there's some interesting evidence there that shows that like intentionally going for a walk versus having a job where you walk a lot creates different outcomes. And so setting aside some time in your day to move with intention with the sake of taking care of your body and like being aware of that, I think that's what's most important. Mm. And so it's really easy to just write it off as, oh, I'm really busy at work all the time. So, but no, it's like, you've got to like, be like, hey, I'm doing this to like, take care of my hips and take care of my shoulders and take care of my heart and whatever. And that inten the intention is almost what seems to create the positive outcome, which is crazy. It's weird. It makes a lot of sense based on just what we were talking about before between mm -hmm. the mind and the body. Yeah. Like we're telling ourselves that this is good for me. Mm -hmm. This is helping me move and feel better. And so it is. When we go to work, we're not feeling like that. Yeah. We're like this is work. I'm, I know I'm like at a construction and I'm grinding away all day and this is like really hard. And yeah, my watch says I got 25,000 steps in. Mm -hmm. But when I go home and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for a nice walk. Yeah. So like 10 minutes of intentional movement. Like let's make that the benchmark. Yeah, right? that's the goal. Is it walking? Is it, is it doing your control articular rotations? Is it 10 minutes of intentional stretching? Whatever. That's a great starting point. Absolutely. 10 minutes of intentional movement and work will get you so much further than hours of mindless whatever. Yeah, and there's some this, there's so much benefit to it and you start to feel good and then you start to get bonus reps in and then yeah. you start to Google things like, what can I do more of? And then you like, oh, maybe I should do this and maybe I can work out with a friend. And then there's, they're like, there's some creativity behind it. Mm -hmm. And now there's like the sense of play in your life and it's like all these added benefits that are like unbelievably incredible yeah so i have one thing one more thing i want to talk to you about okay and then a very important question all right so i just was looking uh i saw this article that got released today by the bbc okay by this woman named ali davis and i didn't read the whole article but the headline told me enough okay it said half of the world is on track to be classed as obese or overweight by 2035 I, i've seen this one yeah I don't know if it came out today, but yeah. I saw it today from um, Joe Dispenza. He's the guy who, who runs Spartan Races. Mm -hmm. And so he posted that. And then I looked at the article and I was like, wow. Yeah. Half the world by 2035 is class is obese or overweight. Yeah. What's that make you think? Man, there's a part of me that's just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like kind of almost kind of like I hate to say like defeatist, but it's just like, yeah, it's going to happen. And I don't. I wish I had an answer for that. Uh, I wish I had a way to like prevent that. Man, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, I, I love movement and I love, you know, like obviously I'm probably an outlier in that I love movement. I love fitness. I love all this stuff. And there's gotta be an answer for like the everyday person of, of diet and nutrition and movement. And I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't think anyone really does. Um, I think, uh, my default, anything weight related is nutrition is the key. Um, but you got to be moving as well. And I think movement can help create some of the, um, the impetus to like start with the nutrition because it's really hard to start with nutrition. Yeah. Like food has such an emotional component to it, right? It's, it's such an integral part of being a human and like there's so much stuff wrapped up in it. I think getting people moving is a little bit easier because you can make it so much simpler. Like, they, like, hey, keep eating whatever you want. Like, we'll, we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Let's just start moving with intention, right? And then they can start to feel like, oh, when I do that, I do feel better. And then maybe that gets the ball rolling. So I think it's not 
either or, it can't be just one, it's gotta be both. And I feel like moving and like that intentional moving we were just talking about is maybe a smaller stepping stone to get people started. And I think most people, especially when they're, when they're worried about focusing on weight losses, it's such a, it's such a monumental hurdle, mm-hmm. right? Cause you know, we're eating three, four times a day. It's something that we're almost always thinking about and making changes to something that's like that big a part of your day is tough. And so a part of me just thinks like, let's just start people moving. And then we got to start with baby steps. Like I know so many people who have like, I'm going to lose weight. So I'm going to go to the gym for an hour, my first workout. And then they're just wrecked the next day. They're so sore. And they're just like, that was terrible. Mm -hmm. And they hate it. So I think we gotta, we gotta start with small things that, that people can digest, right? You can't just turn, you can't just turn the fire hydrant on and just blast people with, you need to change this, 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 you got to do an hour of this. It's got to start small. And I think movement is a great entry point for that and that it will eventually build up to other things. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a scary statistic. I think it's probably right on the money. Um, and I don't think anyone has the answer, but you know, we all got to do what we can do, what we can do and meet people where they're at and do, do we can start with the small stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it is a collective effort, but it's an individual responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? Because no one can take care of your own health. You have to take that into your own hands. Mm -hmm. You can read all of the information. You can have all the support. You can go to the right people, but you have to do it daily. And it is, it's, it's starting with small habits. Like I read this book on habits and they said, it's about making your habits too small to fail. Yeah. So if you're going to start a workout routine, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to go to the gym three days a week for an hour. Why don't you say, I'm going to do one jumping jack one day a week. Yeah. Right. You do one. I think it's tiny habits. Is that the book? Yes. That's yeah. I love it. Right. You do one. Well, I already did one. Why not? Why not do another? It's a bonus. I think it's, I think that's a great starting point. Mm -hmm. I think that's one, like one of the great things. One of the more important things about goal setting is like set the big goal, but then man, make it as tiny as you can make it so small that like you almost have to do it. Right. And, um, I think with, with a big scary statistic like that, it's really easy to be like, Oh shit. Like we got to change all this stuff. And like, yeah, we probably do. Yeah. What's the smallest thing we can do first? And then you just the smallest thing. Yeah. And I think it's going to take everybody getting on like healthcare providers, personal trainers. It's going to take everybody who plays a role in helping people stay healthy to get on the same page and work together. Yeah. And you know, like chiropractors, physical therapists, MDs, personal trainers, fitness instructors, like we're, we all want the same thing. And sometimes we can kind of like rub each other the wrong way, but we really need to all be a team. Yeah. And like some, somebody may do something and I'm like, man, I don't get that. But that helps a lot of people go for it, do it. Right. Like, right. Tell me more. And so there, there can be a lot of infighting among professions and even among within the same profession. And we got to find ways to agree and work together to just make everybody healthier. And I think small things start with the small things. Yeah. Having, just everyone who works in that industry empower people to mm-hmm. empower themselves. Yeah. And then there's a domino effect. Tony Robbins said one time, and I think this relates to this goal, is that people uh, under or overestimate what they can do in one year and, and underestimate what they can do in five years. Yeah. So like I can Absolutely. Do, I can lose 700 pounds in this one year. And then you, you stop after week two because your diet is unsustainable. Your lifestyle changes aren't mm-hmm. real. But what about if you extended it out for five years? Oh, I can lose 100 pounds in five years. Like maybe you probably can, you know, oh, sick. I can lose, like, there's just a process there. You're like, I'm going to do this five years. So then starting with the one jumping jack one time a week is not uh, dumb because you know that by year five, you're going to probably be running a marathon, whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. whatever the progression is. But I think if we think about it like that, it's also less like, oh shit, half the world is yeah. going to be like... You'll go a lot further that way. Instead of like, I have to change everything right yeah. now. It's like overwhelming, so overwhelming. And mm-hmm. then you decide to do nothing and then we do nothing and then the world is in the same spot that it's been in, which is unhealthy and, and all that stuff. So absolutely, yeah. that popped up this morning, I think at the perfect time. I'd never seen it before. I figured I'd talk to you about it. 
but last question. Before I get to the last question, I don't want to, I don't like to end on this. Like where can people find you or the sports pod easiest if they want to come check it out? Uh, easiest things, probably Instagram, social medias. Um, it's just the sports pod on Instagram mm -hmm. or the sports pod on YouTube. Uh, my, my personal Instagram is DRJA Hogan. Those are my initials. That's probably the easiest place. And like, we've got lots of cool resources on there. Like we talked about cars earlier. Mm -hmm. There's our control articular rotations. There's tons of videos on there. Um, I, I'm pretty good about, you got questions. You want to know about something? You can just DM me. Like, right. Um, I actually love doing like virtual appointments. So we're here in the DFW, but if you're not in the DFW and something we talked about resonated with you, or you got some questions, or maybe you just want to find somebody near you to work with you uh, for a little more hands-on approach. Like I have people DM me all the time and they're just like, Hey, I'm out in Seattle or something. And I'm just like, Hey, go see this guy. Mm. They, they look pretty good. Go check them out. Or I got a buddy in New York or something. Right. So, um, don't don't think just because you're not here and I can't like see you face to face like I want to help everybody out and so there's tons of people out there let's find somebody for everybody and let's uh, let's just get people better but start there yeah fantastic yeah all that'll be linked in the show notes so check it out but last question if you Hogan were gonna have a billboard yeah and a million people were gonna see this billboard every single day what would you put on it. I stole this question from Tim Ferriss, so it's not original, so don't think about it. If I'm I had a like, billboard and I could put anything <laughs> I want on it. Anything on it. Can be inspirational, motivational, can yeah. be not, can be funny. Millions of people are <laughs> millions of people are gonna see it oh, every day. Oh man. I, I think I'm gonna kinda go with the funny route, but I also think this would bring a lot of like joy and happiness into people's lives. If I could put a great picture of my dog on there. Yes. And just like a picture of her just being super cute. I feel like <laughs> that would bring some positivity to the world. People would see it and they would laugh and they would smile. Like I'm just picturing this huge billboard right on the side of the highway with her being a doofus on it. And yeah, I don't, you know, is it going to solve anything? No, but the number of smiles I think that would create, I think that'd be worth it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's the first answer we've had where we're going to just have a beautiful big picture of a dog yeah. on a, on a if, if we, if, if anyone wants to crowdfund that, I would, I'd be down for making that a thing. Like, I been... think everyone, <laughs> I think more, if there are more dogs in the world that people could pet and more dog pictures around, I think everyone would be happy. hundred percent. Totally. Cats happy. are fine too. I'd be down for cats too, but just more cute pets, more animals. I think they get, they bring the best out of people. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. I appreciate the time yeah. and your expertise. Anytime. Fantastic. Later. Thank you for tuning into that episode with Dr. Austin Hogan. What was your biggest takeaway? What resonated most deeply with you? And what is one action you can take immediately to start moving more and moving better? If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And don't forget to drop us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbits directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. But most importantly, above all else, please take good care of yourselves and others. Lots of love. I'll see you next time. Cheers.